Okay, the mantra of counterinsurgency, which we hear time and time again, and Time Magazine reminds us, is clear, hold, and build. You clear an area of insurgents or people that look like insurgents or are the cousins of insurgents. You hold the area, at least during the day. They usually own the night. And then you build. You help people build their little nation, their little village, their little whatever. Well, on the ground in Marja, remember Marja, we've been there for quite a while. Uh, this is like before we go into Kandahar, which we were supposed to go into now, but now we're going to go to in September. Uh, there's been a delay basically because things are going all wrong in Marja. There is this creeping notion that the Taliban, uh, that the Marines are trying to clear away, will never completely go away. Uh, quote, it depends on what you mean when you say clear, says a Marine officer, whose 180 Marines patrol some 50 square kilometers in northern Marja. 180 Marines for 50 square kilometers. Not a large idea and not a large area. And who, like other commanders, likens the enemy to vapor. They're obviously not gone, and they're not going to be gone, and I think that the ultimate challenge of counterinsurgency is to get the preponderance of individuals who might choose to fight, depending on the day, depending on what's best for them, convincing them that in the long run it's more beneficial for them not to fight. Now, okay, it, that's the counterinsurgency philosophy. Let me go over that just what it here we here we go. They're not going away, and here's what we got to do. Here's the ultimate challenge of counterinsurgency, right? We want to get the preponderance of individuals, whoever they are, who might choose to fight, might become insurgents, depending on the day when they're not tending the opium crop, depending on what's best for them, you know, whether they're going to have themselves beheaded by the Taliban or paid by the Americans, convincing them that in the long run it's more beneficial for them not to fight. So basically every, you know, ninth century Afghani is going to make a risk assessment. That's the U.S. military's stated goal in Marja, as it is in other areas of Afghanistan's volatile south, to persuade the local population to side with the government of Afghanistan over the Taliban. Of course, we now hear that Karzai and Pakistan and a lot of other people are trying to get together with the Taliban. So it ain't working. But it's a goal easier said than carried out, and in districts like Marja, it may well be impossible. Time Magazine, when I grew up with Time Magazine, it was really right of center. It was Henry Luce, and they ruled the Republican world. And now here's Time Magazine telling us that the the operations in Marja, which are really kind of the bellwether of Afghanistan, you know, that getting it done may be impossible. To start with, Marja is a sw- is just a swath of rural farmland, largely devoid of roads, electricity, and running water, where government never really existed. The area wasn't even defined as a district. In other words, Marja, as it, current, as it is currently labeled, didn't exist before the February offensive there. How are we going to invade that place if it doesn't have a name? Okay, we better name it, then let's invade it. Let's clear it. Hold it and build it. 
bring in that government in a box. Analysts say the situation in Marja highlights a set of larger problems that extend beyond the ground-level Marine commander's control. There are all sorts of problems with this idea that foreigners can show up and suddenly impose a government from above, uh, says Alex Stick von Linschoten. Now, there's a name, a Kandahar-based researcher and analyst. There are all sorts of local structures that were there before, which are now being replaced by something new, he says, of the Marine-led Shuras and NATO-designed key leaders. Uh, Marines are running Shuras? No, well, wait a minute. They're just supposed to hit the beach. That's something that's a perennial feature of the foreign military intervention in southern Afghanistan. What I can make out from Marja is that it's a confused strategy at best, he says, and one that shouldn't necessarily be left to military commanders to interpret. Political things are being carried out more or less entirely by the U.S. military, which brings problems on its own. 18, 19, 20-year-old Marines are going in and nation-building in Marja? Give me a break. Well, Peter, I hear you have uh, more news from the great state of Illinois. Yeah, well, Mark Kirk is a representative there, a real Goomba, and he is running for Senate, and he's the guy that's been making all these claims about who he is and what he's been doing, and more and more of them turning out to be not true. I was in the Army, but I wasn't. Yeah. I, I taught oh, school, but, but there's I didn't. more. Oh, it, oh, it, oh, it always gets more? deeper, yeah. Oh, so, gosh. so he was having a debate with the guy that he's running against, and afterwards, he literally ran out of the hotel door rather than answer questions about a host of these recent reports that he repeatedly has exaggerated his experience and credentials. How these guys think they're getting away with it. And he wears elevator shoes, too. The the Peter Cottontail moment happened at the downtown Hyatt Regency, I believe in Chicago, where about a thousand folks were on hand for this annual debate. Mm -hmm. And uh, his his opponent stopped for a couple of minutes to chat with reporters. He left quickly after speaking, but had a good reason, a fundraiser with Vice President Joe Biden. Okay, lunch was then serve. Mr. Kirk arrived after lunch, coming in via a side door. He spoke for about 20 minutes, then walked down from the dais to have his picture taken with some bigwig. As soon as that was done, with a swarm of TV cameras and reporters moving toward the front of the ballroom, Mr. Kirk bolted for a back door. With a media in hot pursuit, he raced through a Hyatt kitchen and into the backseat of a black (laughs) SUV, which instantly (laughs) peeled away. Mr. Kirk, of course, has been under increasing scrutiny for falsely suggesting that he was named the Naval Intelligence Officer of the Year, commanded the Pentagon's war room, came under fire while on active duty, and declared he learned more about the impact of guns while teaching at a British prep school for a year at an upstate New York nursery school. What? What? In addition... A Pentagon official said Mr. Kirk improperly engaged in political activities, media interviews, and tweets while deployed overseas. So he did none of these. He was not the Naval Intelligence Officer of the Year. He didn't command the Pentagon's war room. How could he possibly claim that? He's been what is it, watching West Wing. I wonder and, what he said for 20 minutes. And when he was on active duty, yeah. uh, uh, he said he came under fire. He didn't, probably just from his from his uh, you know uh, superiors for being such a. a Dick, and he declared that he learned about the impact of guns while teaching at a British prep school for a year at an upstate New York nursery school. Whatever that means, I don't know. That's but, incomprehensible, but we, we, they're all incomprehensible. Anyway, no wonder he was running away, right? Running away? Yeah. Running away from reporters? So he... This is a death wish this guy has. Yeah. What, what is it? What is it about exaggerating your experience? That, that anybody would think, you know, public records show 
how much you made, where your house is, and whether or not you were in the Marines. And, and whether or not long. you ran the war room for the Pentagon. That's like a yes or a no. That's not like, well, you know, I wonder, maybe he did. A lot of people do. They just kind of come and go and yeah, run that yeah, room. They come, yeah. The man, it's low self-esteem, you know, and I hope that he gets low voting numbers, too. Sometimes, Peter, I think we're just circling the drain. It goes in, it must come out. FUD's Law. The show begins, the show ends, but not without some tangalation. Tangalize with Lipo. Here's a little one. Conversation among mountains. You ask why I live in these green mountains. I smile. Can't answer. I am completely at peace. A peach blossom sails past on the current. There are worlds beyond this one. Radio Free Oz. It's a it's a team effort. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, David Osmond, our co-host. Phil Fountain is head of the Oz Design Group. He's what makes the, the site so so smart, so I don't know, gorgeous. Tom Gedwill will make sure that everything works on the web. Chaz Glass, he does the spreadsheets and keeps spreading. Dave Maloney, he records us. Bill uh, McIntyre, he produces us. And Scott Wilde keeps us alive in the world of social media. Coming again tomorrow.